Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the show. On this episode of the podcast, we will be discussing everything Magnolia Bourbon. We'll go through the history of the distillery, current news, and of course, our personal favorite aspect of the show, the tastings. With me, as always, is my intrepid and brilliant co-host, Andy Kleshik. Andy, how you doing this week? You know, not too bad. I mean, weather's finally started to improve a little bit. Kind of getting finally. into... Getting into the 40s and 50s here in Cincinnati, finally, after like three weeks of just cold and snow and digging our cars out. Right. <laughs> Why don't you go ahead and pour us, yeah. uh, pour us a glass of the Magnolia bourbon there. Um, this is going to be an interesting episode uh, around the board, I think. I know Andy's really excited about it. Uh, you were able to snag this bottle and, yeah. and uh, we, oh, you know, we were, ve- yeah, we were very happy about, <laughs> about yeah. that. Um, of course, we've been uh, we, we've been very fortunate in the bottle game in the last couple of couple of weeks, and uh, yeah. we're definitely excited for this one as well. So, Andy, why don't we just dive? You know, like I said, we're excited. Why don't we just dive right in? Go on and tell the people everything they know, need to know about Magnolia Bourbon. Of course. So, first of all, this is a brand as we know it. Currently, it w- just started releasing new bottles onto the market in the last like month or two. So, and only in two cities, uh, Cincinnati and Columbus, Ohio. So before we do anything, just know it's going to be a very, very limited availability as of right now to find these bottles, unless you're willing to drive to snowy, cold Ohio to find a bottle. (laughs) Come on Uh, up. Let's do it. We'd love to have you. Come get a bottle. As much as we'd love to have you, just understand that's going to have to happen. (laughs) But uh, this is a brand actually with a lot of history. Uh, in the game as well as uh, obviously to us personally because a little bit because this is a brand that actually was founded in Cincinnati, Ohio back in 1849 or at least the original brand was. Uh, It was founded by Samuel N. Pike um, who he found he founded the original Magnolia Spirits or Magnolia Bourbon around that time. Previous to this though he also had been a liquor merchant, merchant as well as a rectifier of different bourbons that he would import into Ohio from across the Ohio River from Kentucky. And so uh, uh, he had his own store. I forget where it was in Cincinnati, but the original liquor merchant store was somewhere in downtown. Okay. Um, Makes sense. Cincinnati. And what he would do, of course, as I said, he would sell other brands' bourbons uh, uninterrupted or undiluted and everything. But he would also rectify different bourbons and everything. Meaning, what he would do is he would take like certain bourbons that maybe wouldn't sit there and sell as well or weren't as good. And he would rectify or make them, as he saw it at least, make them better with... um, Green neutral spirits, which basically kind of comes back down to vodka, but it's just green neutral spirits making it a neutral taste and flavor on the palate. And a bit of that um, process, minimum, as I understand it in research, minimum you have to have at least 20% of the end product being bourbon and 80% maximum could be 
grain neutral spirit. Now, I don't know what his original recipes were. Mm. I couldn't find that in research. But he he would do that to try and achieve, as he saw it at least, a um, good flavor and color combination for the end product to try and sell it at his store. Hmm. And it was something that he actually had, um, on top of this, you know, he also was a huge opera fan. Or maybe not a huge opera fan, but was someone who loved to go to the opera in Cincinnati. And We forgot um, this part of the episode. Yeah, before we go any further, cheers. cheers. Um, he, he also built three different opera house locations, two in New York City and one in Cincinnati. Of course, his, after hearing, I forget her name, but a famous opera singer at the time, um, who was brought over, um, I think from Europe by P.T. Barnum, I want to say. If I remember my history correct on it all. And so, and he of course had a lot of luck, great luck with his opera houses. His opera house in Cincinnati ended up burning down twice and being rebuilt twice. Once during his lifetime, once after he was dead. And I think one of his New York City opera houses burned down as well. And between 4th Street, the Cincinnati location was yeah. on present-day 4th Street between Vine and Walnut, which is actually where the Renaissance Hotel is located, and there was a Sleepy Bee Cafe there as yeah. well. Yeah, sure. so... It's probably closer to... It's probably more in the hotel location. Yeah, probably closer there. But, I mean, you, I mean, I don't know if you've seen historical photos of it, John, but it from the like a, historical renderings of what it looked like, it looked amazing hmm. in photos. Oh, wow. And paintings of it. To me, at least. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know what an opera hall really should look like, but <laughs> it looked good. Right. Um, but, of course, then, after a few years of just rectifying and selling different liquors and bourbons and everything, he, in 1849, he actually established the Magnolia brand. Um selling out of his liquor store in Cincinnati um, prior to his move up to the New York City area where he also operated a liquor merchant store selling it, I think, there as well. And it was a brand that, um, you know, kind of after his death in 1872, for the most part, really went, went away by the turn of the 20th century. It was just something that he ended up, um, I guess, uh, with his liquor stores, it just surviving part business partners could not keep up the distilling and everything, and the stores closed, and the brand was actually ended ended up being sold off to a Fleischmann Distillers here mm-hmm. local, at least at the time local to Cincinnati and domiciled here in Cincinnati, founded here. Um, before, for about 25, 30 years before they ended up just shutting down the brand because again, still unprofitable. Um, so there is some history to the area here, similar in an extent, kind of similar to history with, um, new riff a little bit, uh, that, that podcast that we had a few weeks ago, about a month ago, actually. But today though, 
and this is the brand as we know it, um, and that we'll be talking about now. Um, I forget the guy's name, but a real a retired real estate developer out of Columbus, Ohio, ended up who was also he's also a bourbon enthusiast ended up coming across the history of the brand and being like, you know what? I'll sit here. I want to sit here and revive the SN Pikes Magnolia Bourbon brand that name. And it's something that it's like I said, it only came in the market within like the last two months. I actually looked into this bottle very, very randomly at one store I know and shop at um, here in Cincinnati. And it's the only store that I know that even carries it, that's allowed to carry it here in Cincinnati hmm. so far. Last I checked, at least. Um, but it's a product that three to four years old, um, this, well, aged three to four years currently. But... It was something that he, this real estate developer, he was like, you know what? I want to recreate the, I want to try and recreate the history of this brand, revive it, do what I can. Because, you know, obviously to Ohio, it's something that's historic to us. It's, you know, and especially to Cincinnatians, it's something we want to sit here and, or should take pride in that it was a historic brand. Of course. And currently it's a, uh. The actual distillate is an NGP product, at least currently. I'm sure once everything goes gets going on, they might have their own product. But currently, it's MGP liquid that uh, is licensed out. The name, at least, is licensed out and then aged and bottled at Noble Cut Distilling out of uh, Gahana, Ohio, which is kind of to a little bit southeast of downtown Columbus. Ohio. Okay. And it's right in the, uh, like, their, I don't even remember what highway it is, but, like, the, their equivalent of I-275. Mm, yeah. Um, and it's something, again, it's, like I was saying earlier in the podcast, it's something that currently is in very, very limited supply and locations for everybody to find. Uh, the two products they have, there's a weeded bourbon. That's the one we'll be trying today. And then also a bottled and bond. And the weeded bourbon, there's only about 6,000 bottles available between the Cincinnati locations they sell it in and the Columbus locations they sell it in. And then 5,800 bottles of the bottled and bond available um, in both locations. Or in both cities. Okay. And the mashables on both are, so on the weeded bourbon, is 51% corn, 45% wheat, which is extremely high for a wheat, and then 4% malted barley, whereas the bottled, bottled and bond is ninety the MGP 95.5 uh, mash build. So 95% rye, 5% malted barley. And what, he, what this guy's done is he ends up uh, proofing it down a little bit with Kentucky Spring Water. And the weeded bourbon is about three to three and a half years old. Uh, on the label, it states three years old, but I've also seen online that it might be like three and a half years old. Okay. And then the bottled and bond is, again, I think the label says four years, but it might be like four to four and a half, maybe four years, nine months old in reality in gotcha. terms of age. And I actually, prior to us 
uh, recording the podcast. I actually tried a little bit. I like it. It's not too bad. Um, and it's something that, you know, I take pride in it. I mean, it's got a, it's got a really cool label. I actually ended up, uh, have sharing a photo of it on our, um, Instagram. Yeah. And of course this is a, this is a, um, first batch of it. It's 94 proof. So 47% alcohol by volume. Uh, of course, a lot of what they're doing is all under license from Magnolia Spirits, LLC, which is out of, a. Uh, Powell, Ohio, here, which again I think is in Columbus area. But it's something that you know, it's 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 an interesting history to it, and I thought it would be worth diving a bit into that history. Definitely. Personally. Hey man, I like it. I'm excited. I'm glad we got a chance to do it. Do you want to yeah. uh, jump right into the tastings? I I think it's that time for it. Yeah. Let's do it. All right, everyone, pour yourself a glass of S. Pikes Magnolia Weeded Bourbon. If you can find it, yeah. good luck. <laughs> but uh, at least pour yourself a weeded bourbon, and we'll jump right in. All right, folks, now that you have, hopefully, a glass of S. Pikes Magnolia Weeded Bourbon poured for yourself, we're going to go ahead and dive right on, on into the tastings. Let's, of course, as always, start with the nose. Definitely catch it. it, it not it, a bold it, nose. It grabs your attention, though, yeah. even though it's not as bold as some you know yeah. other bourbons are. Like Stag that we had last week. Of course. Um, to me... I gotta, I'm getting like a flowery type aroma. Yeah, yeah like a floral note. So yeah. I can, I can kind of see where that name Magnolia comes from. Exactly. Reminds me of... Um, I think it's Alt Park, either Alt Park or Eden Park that has like all the magnolia trees and like all the pretty flowers and okay, stuff. Yeah. Kind of that scenery. A little bit of like a peach nose to it to me. Like I kind of get that along with the floral nose. Okay. Yeah. I'm getting a um, slight hint of ethanol. Like it's, it's letting you know bit. it's there, but it's so subtle, so subtle. But yeah. I'm getting more floral arrangement than anything. Yeah. No, no. I agree with you there. Let's give it a taste. Extreme, very smooth. It's not. It's yeah. not an angry bourbon at all. Yeah, no, not at all. It's it's one that's on the palate. It jumps up a lot less than on the nose to me. Yeah, I agree. Um, there's not much of an aftertaste to it. Kind of makes you want to come back and drink more of it. I agree as well. Yeah, a little bit sharpness on the back of the tongue, like really, really light sharpness at the end of the finish there, but it's. Yeah, it's just kind of dies inviting. off. It's definitely asking yeah. for for more. I agree. Yeah. Um, I mean, overall, I have to say, for a first batch, it's a good bourbon. It's not bad. I think it's for the. I mean, it's definitely a good bourbon. I think it's more at this point you're looking like, hey, this is a Cincinnati heritage type situation. I want this because I like the city and I like the history of it. And I think yeah, it's it's really exciting that. Um, a brand that's so old that a lot of people don't know about is making a really strong entrance into the scene at a time where it's very hard to stand out. Yeah, no, I agree with you there. And it's something that, you know, for me, I mean, like I was saying, and like you were kind of saying too, good first attempt. I think it's, it's something that there's a lot to be desired though, for me at least. It's something that it's not bad and is a good weeded bourbon. I think it's 
at least on the palate, it's a little bit, to me, stereotypical of what a weeded bourbon is yeah, or should be. But it's something that, for me personally, I would want to see it in subsequent batches have a little bit more, maybe cut down on the wheat a bit, introduce some uh, rye into there, get a little bit more, at least on the palate. The nose, I think, is perfect, but give it some, just a little bit more oomph and peaks in flavor. Yeah, yeah, I think you like the sharper bourbons with a little more yeah. flavor. If you're someone who likes the smoother whiskeys and bourbons, I think this is definitely going to oh, be yeah. right up your alley. Oh, yeah. No, I, I, total, I, I totally agree there. But despite the smoothness, I think there is still a decent amount of richness to the flavor, and the, the, the nose is great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Love the nose. I I would say it's probably a B or a B- minus for a first attempt. Absolutely. For a first attempt, I would give it almost an A-, minus. I think. For a, yeah. first, for a first attempt. Yeah. All right, folks. That Unless Andy has anything else to add here. No, I think we've said everything. I mean, I was able to find it if you're lucky and will if you're in Cincinnati or Columbus and you can find it or you're willing to make the trip to try and find it, I would definitely try and buy it. Absolutely. It ran me about 35, 40 bucks. So definitely good price range. Uh, but other than that, I got nothing on it. Love it. All right, folks, that's it from us this week. Make sure you go over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, or, of course, wherever you get your podcasts. We're at all of them. So you can subscribe, leave a review, and listen to every episode of Distilled Discussions. Share the podcast with your friends. Give us feedback and reviews, positive or negative, letting us know what you're looking for, what we can improve on. Um, send us some uh, tips on or, you know, you know, you know, some feedback on what bourbons you'd like us and other alcohol you'd like us to do episodes on. And we'll, of course, take that in consideration as well. We, of course, again, really do appreciate your support. Make sure you all have a great week. Pour yourself another whiskey. And don't worry, America. We'll be here to drink with you next week.